we want to talk in our series this week about uh, the letters, God's messages to his churches. And uh, could have looked at the seven churches of Asia that John writes to, but it's interesting to notice the letters that Paul writes to the churches and that were the result of primarily his uh, travels. And what we find as we look at the letters is that there's just all kinds of teaching that, that we need to take in and assimilate. There's the problems in, in Corinth. There is the, the great teaching about the church in Ephesus and about the authority of Christ in Colossians. And as we look at the, the, these different themes, uh, we're familiar with that and understand that as we study those books, the, the, the number of things that need long-term discussion are just uh, uh, make long lists. I want to suggest that it helps us to back up and, and think of these churches as congregations with an assembly, however they sat, in whatever the circumstances, that they would sit there before a speaker, and they would sing together, they would pray together, and as they went about this work, they would leave that assembly, and they would go through their lives and do their work, and we need to picture that real situation. And we need to picture the Apostle Paul, at least as one of the evangelists, one of the men that worked in teaching and preaching there, and hear his concern, his fear, his, his uh, joy at the things that were going on and what was happening in the churches. As we begin to see the reality of those situations, uh, we begin to see the application of the teachings that are there. It's real and it is pertinent. The Lord did not speak to us in a creed. Uh, we know that a creed or a system of law is organized differently. It's just uh, You can look it up like a reference book. And, you know, Article uh, 4 and Section 5 or whatever... And as you find the rules and instructions for what ought to be done. And certainly the Lord could have revealed himself that way. But it's clear that God preferred to reveal himself in history. Go back to Genesis, look at the history of Israel. In all of that we see God revealing himself. He's not just telling us what happened among the people. God is revealing himself in all of those events. And we understand more clearly what he wants in those events. And how he reacts to good and to bad situations in those events. And that was a system that worked for those thousands of years in Old Testament history. God did not change his system when he came to the New Covenant. It starts out with telling the story of the, of the birth and the life and the death and resurrection of Christ. And in that story, there's all the teaching, there's all the admonition, there's all the warning. And then we start in the book of Acts and we've got the story of the preaching of the gospel, people being saved, and the establishment of the church. But then we wonder about why so many chapters at the end of the book of Acts, that deal with the question of, of how Paul got from Jerusalem to Rome in prison. This is a lot of text devoted to the story of Paul's journey from when he got to Jerusalem and was taken captive to ending up in Rome. That's curious, almost as much, well, longer really than any of the accounts of his preaching tours of his journey. Now, why? Well, God, there's a message there. There's teaching that is in that. And I suppose maybe it's a little bit like the teaching in the book of Exodus, that nobody is going to beat God. Nobody's going to thwart his purposes. He will do what he wants to do, and it doesn't matter the circumstances. Of course, the world will never see what happens unless they start to look at themselves and life from a spiritual perspective. But from those of us that look at what happened in Paul's life, even in his journey to Rome, we see that God's working. We learn about Paul, we learn about faith, and we learn about God and his nature and character. And so we, we need to capitalize on that kind of revelation. So when the apostles, 
then are writing letters to churches and to individuals with instructions about living, we need to see those instructions again. Not as a creed so that we can we have memorized where in the creed there are the specific rules for specific things. Now, there's a value in having that kind of an organization in our mind so that we can locate key passages and be able to recall them as they're needed. But we also need to back away from that and just look at the letter, see it in its circumstance, and feel the emotional thrust and the power of the authority of God as he speaks to this church through that apostle. And so... That's why I use the phrase, these are messages from God. God is addressing this church and calling them to some great need or fear or concern or celebration of success. And so that's what the Lord is doing in the letter. And, and as we look at them this week, I hope that, we will, that I will not be over-analytical so that we start to, to, to what do we say? miss the forest for the trees. We want to see that great forest. We want to see that great picture that God uh, is addressing in the letters. And so I want to start this morning, and we've got, what, 15, 23 or so minutes left. Look at, at uh, the book of Acts and where these churches came from, how they started, and when the letters fit in. And again, so we'll just, it's just kind of a survey and do it uh, quickly. But we really have to start in Acts chapter 13 and skip a major section uh, in the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 13 is where the Apostle Paul is with Barnabas uh, in Antioch. And now the Spirit says it's time to separate Paul and Barnabas or Saul and Barnabas for the work that he had appointed for Saul from the beginning. And that was to preach among the Gentiles. And so then from Antioch, uh, from Antioch, uh, Paul and Barnabas start their first journey. And they go to the island of uh, uh, Cyprus and make two stops there and, and do some teaching. The story of him uh, teaching uh, the, uh, the Roman ruler there is, is uh, mentioned. And we've got an interesting account there of, of this opposition that is overcome by the miracle of Paul in striking the man blind. But as he goes on in this particular journey, we notice it comes up to... Uh, Iconium and Lystra and Derby, and uh, the reason we mention these places is because that's what's typically understood to be Galatia. But as you look on the map, it's interesting to notice that Galatia, uh, at least as it's marked on the map, is up here, and this region is called Cilicia, Pamphylia, and Pisidia. And so, well, is, is that Galatia or is that not Galatia? I don't really know. And uh, you can study a lot of uh, history, and you can read a lot of uh, pretty scholarly writings on that, then you won't know anyway. You just pick one or the other. It, it kind of doesn't matter. But we want to notice the, the location of this place. Galatia is either churches up here, or it refers to those churches there, but Paul makes that journey, and he comes back uh, from, the, uh, from that journey and ends up back over here, making a trip back to Antioch, and he reports in the preaching among the Gentiles. And while he's there... We have uh, some gentlemen that come from Judea saying that, that the Gentiles need to be circumcised, Acts chapter 15. And because of the controversy that came up about that, there will be a letter devoted to this controversy. Uh, because of that controversy, they said, well, we need to go to Jerusalem to find out where this teaching is coming from and deal with it because this is not being settled. And so the apostles go to uh, Paul, Saul and Barnabas, go uh, down to Jerusalem 
and uh, meet with the brethren there. And it's interesting how they settle it. There's no indication that they get new revelation to answer this question. That's what we like, right? Got a controversy that would like the Spirit to tell us what the answer is. The Spirit didn't do that even in the times of the apostles. The apostles in Acts chapter 15 rely on what God has already revealed. First through Peter, then through Paul and Barnabas, and then James referring to the teaching in the Old Testament prophecies. And says, it's clear that God is calling His people from among the Gentiles. And the Gentiles aren't becoming Jews. There's no place for circumcision in the gospel, not in anything that we've received from God, and therefore, since this teaching is not from us, it cannot be right. Very simply dealt with. And so, at the end of that controversy, they go back up to Antioch, and they say, okay, Paul says, it's time to go back and visit the churches where we have been. And so, after that controversy, and they've got now a letter that kind of expresses that teaching in a very clear and succinct way, they're taking the letter with them, and they start then on the second journey, and on the second journey, they uh, come up through, up through this region where they had been before, visiting those same churches again. You notice they got Galatians with a question mark because we're not sure when and where Galatians was written, but if I could back up, it may have been written after the first journey at some time. Don't worry about that location, but just Galatians might have been written soon after he left this region, if it's those churches. Don't really know. But uh, in the second journey, as they come up through here, it might be as a result of the teaching that came out of that controversy, and then they start the second journey, that he's aware of the error that's there, and then he's going to write them a letter, which is odd if he just visited them. Questions about when and where Galatians is. But the thing is, at the beginning of Galatians, he says, I marvel that you're so quickly or so soon removing yourselves from him who calls you to a different gospel suggests that this was an early letter. So Galatians may be one of the very early letters, and it may be that after he went through here, Galatians was written sometime later, but I put Galatians very early, because again, the idea is that so soon in the history of the Lord's church, there's controversy. We won't stay away from that. It's very uncomfortable and awkward. We're not sure that's really supposed to be a part of the good news gospel, but it's a reality of the New Testament church, isn't it? The question is not whether or not it will come. The question is how we handle it and how we react to these differences and these disputes over what should be done and what should not be done. It's a very significant letter, and it comes up very early in the history of, of the Lord's church. But as they travel through this region, it's interesting that the Spirit says, don't go up to Bithynia, don't go over this way, and he gets the vision from the man in Macedonia says, come over and help us. That takes him straight to Philippi. And that's where they meet the women on the riverbank, and Lydia and others are converted there. As, as a result of their successful work, there's some jealousy that comes up when they cast a demon out of a young girl. They haul Paul to court, and uh, he's put in prison, and then the jailer, another Gentile, the Philippian jailer, that's the jailer who lives in Philippi, he is converted. So we've got Lydia, and we've got the Philippian jailer, and many others converted that are not named in uh uh, that would be in Acts chapter 7, uh, excuse me, 16. Uh, Acts chapter 16, where those conversions occur. And so we've got Philippi, again, starred because that's one of the churches that will receive letter a little bit later on. After he leaves Philippi, because of the persecution, they go to Thessalonica, and there they have an immediately good response, but then a very strong opposition in Thessalonica. It says they were preaching for three Sabbath days. 
And as a result of those three Sabbath days in the synagogue, the good work that's been done, the jealousy that comes as this immediate strong persecution, even to the point of death, that they have to leave town. Now, whether he's there longer than three weeks is debated. Maybe he was there for, a, you know, he preached another couple of weeks. They debate what, it doesn't matter. If he was there for three weeks or two months, it's not long enough, is it? When this church was established, how long did you expect that first man who got things going to stay? Eight weeks? Three weeks? Particularly if the reason he had to leave is because the opposition against the gospel was so strong that his life was threatened and he had to leave town. And so you guys are left behind to kind of keep things going. What do you mean, keep what going? Where are we going with this? And that's the church at Thessalonica. A very short time that Paul was there and had to leave. It goes on to Berea where they were more noble. That's just talking about the people in the town were more noble because they were at least willing to listen. Thessalonica, they weren't. But of course, the, the, the other, the non-Christian Thessalonians came down to Berea, stirred up the persecution there. He wasn't able to stay there very long either. And then comes down to Athens and the great sermon there on Mars Hill and then to Corinth. And then Corinth is going to get a letter. So you see the stars marking the churches that will soon get letters. While he is at Corinth, though, it's when Paul writes First and Second Thessalonians. Can you guess why? He's only been gone for a little while. A few months since he left, left Thessalonica. He left Timothy and Titus there when he left town. But by the time he's in Athens, he says, I need you. You guys need to come. And so then they come and they meet him in Corinth. And now that they're back in Corinth with Paul, Paul writes his letter and says, I'm worried about you. How's it going? What's going on? I've heard good things from Timothy and Titus who came. I've heard that you're strong in the faith, that you love one another. Remember, these are strong in the faith and they love one another maybe for a good four or five months by now. That's not a mature congregation the way that we think about maturity. And so Paul writes to them, 1 Thessalonians, and then very soon after he writes 2 Thessalonians. And that's the environment in which that letter, we'll talk about that on Wednesday night, in which that letter is written. We see where that, that letter becomes real when we can picture that church and those events. He leaves Corinth. Remember he stayed in Corinth with Aquila and Priscilla? He leaves Corinth and goes to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, there's a good reception. They say, please stay. And Paul says, I can't. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'll come back again soon. And so he leaves Ephesus after a short time with good results from his teaching. And Aquila and Priscilla stay there. And, of course, they find Apollos. Apollos ends up going back to Corinth. These are all names that come up in the letters, aren't they? You've heard those names. Remember when he writes Corinth, some are saying, I of Paul, I of Apollos. Eloquent Apollos has made a good impression on the church at Corinth. They didn't handle it right, but we see what's going on. This is real life. It's real history. And it's the kind of thing that happens in churches. You ever have one preacher that everybody likes? And you get another preacher, they will now have the people like the old preacher, half the people like the new preacher. Well, you know, if it gets ugly, then that's just sin. But we can understand the reality of what we find in Scripture when we put it in this reality situation. So he's at Ephesus for a very short time, and then he goes back down to Caesarea, and then up to Antioch, and he gets ready for his third trip. On the third journey... Paul is going to take a very similar route. 
But it's interesting, if you look with me at, uh, and I've been flying through these chapters and forgetting even to turn the pages myself, but if, if you go to Acts chapter uh, 18, at the end of 18, there's a little paragraph that's really not about the apostles, and it's not about um, Paul's journey. It's about, well, Apollos, and the fact that Aquila and Priscilla take him aside, and you know the phrase, don't you? Taught him more correctly the word of truth, explained to him the way more accurately. And so Apollos, who had been a disciple of John, the baptizer, is now a full and, uh, and a more knowledgeable disciple of Christ, having been baptized into Christ. In chapter 9, and we wonder about that's an interesting little paragraph, just trivia. Well, no, it fits in as a part of what follows, because in Acts chapter 19, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Now, he's already gone to Corinth. So while Apollos is at Corinth now, no longer in Ephesus, Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds some disciples. And guess what? These disciples know only the baptism of John. And so here's a pocket, evidently a quite large pocket. Already we've got these names and these groups being found that are believers in the Messiah, but only according to the teaching of John, and they just need the rest of the message. And so there's this great example here of baptism into Christ done properly and appropriately with full understanding of what it's about so that it, that baptism is effective in Christ. And so as we look at, as we look at uh, those events, when Paul comes to uh, Ephesus here, starting in chapter 19, verse 1, we just follow our finger down. How long does Paul stay at Ephesus? He stays all the way to the end of chapter 19. And that's two full columns in my Bible. So, a good long part of the text is about Ephesus. And Paul was there for over two years. He was there for over two years. While Paul is, is there, and he will write a letter back to that church later, he, the text says that, that there was influence throughout all of Asia. That brings to mind the church at Colossae. That we're not sure Paul ever visited. It's only a hundred miles away. He well may have. But... Uh, he doesn't talk as though he knows them well. Epaphras may have started the church because Paul makes a statement in the letter that indicates that Epaphras is the one from whom you have learned the truth. Maybe he started the church. But the influence of Paul from Ephesus is really being felt in a larger area. This is a large city with a lot of people coming and going, and we can understand the nature of that kind of influence of Ephesus, not just in Colossae, but in all of these regions. So Paul is there, and for a long period of time, Maybe his most effective work. Uh, the church at Ephesus gets these, this chapter, plus chapter 20, plus the book of Ephesians, plus the reference in Revelation chapter 2. It gets more airtime than any other church in the New Testament, probably. When we think about it, that's a significant picture of, a, of the Lord's people in that city. But then as he is in the city of Ephesus, he hears some things, getting some news, he hears some things about Corinth, and he writes a letter from Ephesus to Corinth. And we can picture the boats going back and forth between these two major cities, the commercial traffic, the, the uh, uh, pedestrian traffic. But we can, we can see the, 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 the access back and forth and understand the news that would travel between Paul and the church at Corinth, where he had labored for another long time, over two years. And so as Paul hears about that, he writes back to the church at Corinth. Indication maybe even of more than just the two letters, 
that are in the New Testament. The communication back and forth. There's problems in Corinth. Now what's the preacher going to do about problems in a church where he isn't? If he knows them well, if they have any confidence in them, he starts writing letters. He starts talking to them the best way he can since he's not there. And that's what we've got is this letter to the church at Corinth. I think we're going to talk about that tomorrow night, uh, the Corinthian letter. But as Paul writes them, and the, the serious nature of the problems at Corinth really is apparent in the letter. It's not good. I'm not sure I would, I would, uh, preach at Corinth. You know, somebody says, well, you know, well, tell me about the church. And I get 1 Corinthians. I say, man, I'm, I don't think I want to, look at the way they eat the Lord's Supper. Look at the preacher favoritism. The church is just about to fall apart because of the favorite preacher, the, the battles that are going on there. They don't believe in the resurrection anymore. At least some of them don't. You start going down the list of problems in Corinth, who would even go there? It was serious until Paul writes to that church. And then that strong letter is going to be followed by another letter a little while later. Evidently written as Paul writes uh, 1 Corinthians and talks about the collection for the needy saints in Judea. In 2 Corinthians, he mentions it again and says, Remember what I told you a year ago. There's a year between those two letters, am I right? A year between the two letters. I told you a year ago, I'm telling you again, get ready so that we can take that contribution to the needy saints in, in Judea. Make it ready when I'm there. So Paul at this point is probably already on his way, maybe written from Philippi or somewhere on the road here. He writes a letter going ahead, 2 Corinthians. And this letter is a very different tone because the church has reacted well to the teaching of the apostle in the first letter. But we got this real circumstances, Paul working and laboring and teaching and writing, working where he is, but looking to where he's been, worrying about those that he's left behind. All of that's a part of what we've got in the New Testament. Let, let us see that third dimension, the reality of the letters as, as they take shape in the, uh, in the book of Acts. When Paul gets to Corinth, there's not much said about it, but when we read Romans, we find information that indicates very clearly that he's in Corinth when he writes it. So now Paul is in Corinth. I don't know how a preacher does it. I don't, I don't do this very well. I get completely focused on what's in front of me. And so where I'm working in New York, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the brotherhood. I don't have time. Don't, don't read the Internet. They don't correspond with preachers. And people probably wonder if I'm a little bit snooty because I don't talk to anybody. But I don't think I'm snooty. I think I'm just worrying about what I'm doing right here. And that's not always a good thing. We do need to focus on what is at hand. But we see an example of the Apostle Paul who was looking at a little bit bigger picture. And he wasn't worried about the brotherhood, but he was worried about, worried about his brethren. More personal than that, than that overall sense of the church. But he's worried about the saints. And so he wrote to them and talked to them. And we see that in his letter. And while it's at Corinth, Excuse me. While he's at Corinth, he writes to Rome, which isn't on the map. It's over there somewhere. He writes to the church at Rome. And he says, I'm coming to see you, Lord willing. But I have to go to Jerusalem first. And so there we've got the great letter to Rome. Really the first letter they wrote to a church where he'd never been. And he says it in the letter. I, I, have, I know I haven't been there. But it's interesting as you read the letter, you see he knows a lot of people there. Guess what? Aquila and Priscilla are now in Rome. Aquila and Priscilla aren't in Corinth anymore. Now they're in Rome. It was a pretty transient society then too. 
And so he's looking forward to seeing some brethren that he knows well in the city of Rome. And uh, as Paul then is in Corinth and writes the church at Rome, he decides that instead of coming back this way, because of his life is in danger again, he needs to go back this way, and that's what he does. And that's when he visits the city of Troas. He's there for those seven days and eats with the brethren, breaks bread on the first day of the week. We've got that event there. And then he comes down from Troas, and he sails down to Miletus, and he, he, the boat parks there, and he calls for the elders of the church at Ephesus. I told you to look at, at the text. In Acts chapter 19, it's all about Ephesus. The rest of the third journey... Now, now notice, it doesn't say anything about what happened on the third journey before Ephesus. It just basically starts the third journey at Ephesus. So that whole part of the journey is ignored. Ephesus is where it starts, the third journey, in the text. That takes us to the end of chapter 19. In chapter 20, he leaves and goes to Macedonia, verse 2, to Greece. And 4, he's got some people traveling with him. He's, but by the time you get to, chapter, to verse 6 of chapter 20, he's on the return trip. He's at Philippi, headed for Troas. We, we don't know, we, we know virtually nothing about this part of the trip on the third journey. Well, the Lord told us about this part of the trip on the second journey, didn't he? And the Holy Spirit wants us to focus on Ephesus right now. For whatever reason, but that's the order. So almost the whole journey is really Ephesus. What happened at Ephesus? And he comes back and he meets with the elders and talks to them. That takes up a, a good part of, a large part of Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17, where he calls for those elders and talks to them about their work and about the church and about what's going to happen there. And notice he said, he doesn't say if trouble comes, he says when. He says, men shall arise. He says, even from among your own selves. He says, this will happen. We need to understand that here in Franklin. It will happen. The issue is not how do we keep any disturbance or any controversy from ever coming up. The question is, when it comes, will we deal appropriately and properly with it? That's a part of the labor of the gospel. That's just the nature of our work in this world. And so again, that will account for letters being written and things being done. So then Paul as he finishes at Ephesus and he sails back down, warned over and over again, don't go to Jerusalem, it's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble. Paul says, i got to go. He had to go because he had to deliver the money. That was collected all through Galatia and Macedonia and Achaia. He's taking the money back, along with all of the messengers from those churches who were taking the money and delivering it in Judea. So he had to go to Judea. But he says, i got to go to Rome. Paul probably didn't see it coming, but he was in prison almost immediately by the time he got to Jerusalem. Just very soon, some of his enemies up there in uh, Asia saw him at the temple and said, get him, boys. That was it. Paul was in prison. The Lord came to him and said, don't worry, Paul. I'm paraphrasing, but don't worry, Paul. You're going to preach the gospel in Rome. And that would give Paul heart. He would need it because it was going to take him a couple of years in prison before he would get to Rome. So he needed that message from God, or he certainly would have lost any faith that he would end up in the city of Rome. But, in fact, he did get to Rome, but, of course, he'd already written that letter. He'd already written that letter about three years before. So who knows where Philippians still are by now, right? 
They're probably somewhere else. But he works with the church there. The letters that were, uh, and he, that's where, he, that, and that is when he writes Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. Now he's writing back to churches that he established ten years ago. Ten years ago. And some of them he saw, said he was with them, briefly at least, four years ago. And those letters are written. The letters that Paul wrote that we will not cover this week are the letters to the, the evangelists as well as Philemon uh, written in connection with Colossians. We won't get to Colossians and we won't get to Romans this week. But I hope that gives us a setting against which to, to place the letters. And so when we come to the letters, I won't take time to talk about these things, but just jump right into the message. Appreciate your good attention and, and hope and pray that that's been useful.